0: Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. All right, good morning, Riverbend. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Ben. I get to serve as the executive pastor here at Riverbend Church. If you're with us on campus in Gainesville, always great being able to gather with you. If you're with us online, if you're with us in Oakwood, So glad to be able to be with y'all. So excited for y'all at Oakwood. Uh, Pastor Jim Austin, first Sunday interim campus pastor down there. Really excited for y'all. Honestly, really excited for us because we get to learn from Pastor Jim. Um, But it is amazing being one church, two locations, really just going through and living out the mission that God has called us to live out and for us to be both here in Gainesville, Oakwood, and even beyond. So if you're new to Riverbend, welcome. Um, If we haven't had the chance to meet, I would love to get to know you, love to connect with you. Um, Let me kind of bring you up to speed. We're in the middle of a sermon series called uh, We Are Riverbend. And We Are Riverbend, we're diving into the cultural uh, values of Riverbend Church. Now, Riverbend Church, we revolve around a common mission to, uh, to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. These key cultural values are going to be the tools that we utilize to carry out our mission. So the last several weeks, uh, uh, Jared Cagle, he led us through what does it mean to know, to love, and to live out new life in Jesus Christ. A couple weeks ago, he talked about the importance of gathering matters, how important it is for us to gather together. Here in Gainesville, there Oakwood, online, for us to gather together, there's just something powerful about us coming. I mean, coming out of a time of worship like that. About, I mean, you can sing praises to God in your car, in your shower, wherever it may be, but there's just something powerful about just joining our voices together and singing about the faithfulness of God and singing about how Jesus wants to call us uh, a friend and a brother, and He's there for us. There's just something powerful about that. Last week, He talked about family matters, and He, he, he unpacked God's design for the family, uh, how the family is, is created, the, God's usage of the family in, in light of the church and uh, carrying the gospel to the world. This morning, we're going to be talking about groups matter, um, and, and we'll, we'll dive into that in just a moment. But before we dive into that, I want to do a quick experiment with you. So if you're with us in Gainesville, if you're with us online, um, maybe not so, so much online if you're driving. But um, if you're with us in Oakwood, here's what I want to get you to do. Introvert, extrovert, all right? Raise your hand in the room if you are an extrovert or if the people around you would characterize you as an extrovert. Raise your hand. All right? A few of you. All right? Raise your hand if you would characterize yourself as an introvert. And as an introvert, I know you're not going to raise your hand very high, right? <laughs> it's like, that's me. Um, <laughs> Oakwood, you're probably sitting there going, can he see me? Um, But let me kind of unpack introvert, put some handles on introvert, extrovert with uh, with you this morning. Uh, Extrovert, you love being around people. You get fueled by people. You can't wait to be around more people. Introvert, it's not that you don't like people. It's just that sometimes people can drain you, right? Um, Let me put some more uh, practical handles on it. Um, Let's say that you are in the promised land of... Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia, and it's right before the fourth quarter. Extroverts, you're going to have your phone out, your flashlight app on, and as soon as the band, the Red Coat Marching Band, plays that first note, you're going to be hands in the air, you're going to be full-on hands in the air, you're going to be waving your hands in synchronized beauty with the rest of the stadium, the 94,000 plus, that's an extrovert introvert, you're going to have your phone out videoing everybody in the synchronized beauty, and you're going to post it to Instagram, go, it was awesome. Um, Introvert, extrovert. Listen, God wired us all in different ways, right? He wired us all in different ways. Probably for me, I'm much more introverted uh, naturally, but kind of in an extroverted role. I don't know if that makes me bipolar or or what, Um, but it's just one of those things that you just work through, right? So but here's a truth that you and I need to understand is we all need other people. Whether you're an introvert or where you, whether you're an extrovert, we all need other people. And although, if you're taking notes with us this morning, although the size of the community or group varies, the need and necessity stays the same for other people speaking into our lives, for us surrounding ourselves with other people. listen. Extroverts, it may sound easy for extroverts to surround yourself with other people, but I'll tell you as an extrovert, here's your struggle. Is feeling, it's not like being in a crowd of people, it's feeling that you're going deep with people. Introverts, here's an introvert struggle. Introverts, we're fine just in an office full, surrounded by books. Or we're fine in a living room. Just maybe one or two people in that living room. But we need to understand that we all need people. We all need a group or a community around us. Although the size varies, the need and necessity stays the same. Here's the big idea for this morning. Every one of us needs a group in order to grow closer to God. Every one of us needs a group, needs our people, in order to grow closer to God. Listen, this is not a 2023 thing only. This is not just a 20th or 21st century concept. This is all throughout the Bible. As a matter of fact, one of the most famous men in the Old Testament is King David, right? King David, if you look throughout the Old Testament, he was known for having his mighty men. There were 30 mighty men. And then out of those 30 mighty men, he had his three closest confidants. He had a group. He had a community. He had his people. Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus had the crowds, then he had the 72 that would follow him, then he had the 12 apostles, and of those 12, he had the three that he was closest with, Peter, James, and John. And we know by Scripture that he was probably closest to John. But Jesus had his group, Jesus had his community, Jesus had his people. So this is not new. Every one of us needs a group in order to grow closer To God. This is how we say it in our membership class. Since we believe that healing, health, and wholeness never happen in isolation, but rather within environments of togetherness, small groups are a vital piece in growing in our relationship with God. You see, this entire series, We Are Riverbend, is more than just like unpacking, hey, this is where I go to church. This is the church I call home. We're unpacking the key cultural values And they're not just slogans. They're not just like sales pitches, like gathering matters, family gathers, groups matter, next gen matters, you matter. They are actually the rails that we ride on and the rails that guide us to living out the mission that God has designed each and every one of us individually and corporately to live out. And what is that mission? To lead all people, the people that God's placed around us, in your workplace, in your classroom, in your office space, wherever it may be, to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to be focusing in on the key cultural value of groups matter, and I want to show you why they matter so much, not just as as a church, but as to us individually. So if you have a Bible with you, or you have a Bible app, go ahead and find Mark chapter 4. We're going to be picking it up in verse 35. Mark four, starting in verse 35, let me kind of give you some context that we're coming into this passage with. Number one, you should know that Jesus has already begun his, he's already began his, his earthly ministry. He's already uh, gone about teaching in the, in the entire region of Judea in that, area, in that area. He's called his 12 disciples. He has already performed some amazing miracles. Um, he, he, he's, he's healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. He healed a man with leprosy. There, there was a time to where Jesus, before we get to Mark four thirty-five, there was a time to where Jesus is teaching in a house, and uh, 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 four friends of a paralyzed man were trying so hard to get this man to Jesus that they actually dug a hole in the roof of the house and then lowered the man down in front of Jesus while he was teaching. Jesus healed that paralyzed man He's already cast out demons, and because of this, he's taught in ways, he's taught about God and the kingdom of God like no one has ever heard before. And because of all these things, crowds are swarming to Jesus. They're coming to Jesus a lot. And because crowds are swarming Jesus, Jesus has to be very, very intentional about being able to get away and spending very intentional time with the men that he is closest to. In this context, the apostles, these 12 guys that he issued the call, you come follow me. So this is where we pick it up in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. He says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although some other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. I love Mark's description there. he's very specific. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Then Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now out of this passage, starting in verse, uh, verse 35, Mark chapter 4, we're going to notice five very important key characteristics as it pertains to groups, but why it's important for you and I to have a group, to have a community, to have our people around us. So if you're taking notes with us this morning, here we go. Number one. Groups unite us around a common mission. Groups unite us around a common mission. Now, the common mission that the disciples were on was to get from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake. These men were not only united in, their, in the answering their call to, from Jesus to follow Him, we'll call that their big calling. So they're united in their big calling when Jesus said, you come follow me as a disciple. They had that in commonality. But they were also united in their small calling of get from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake. They were united in their calling. And here's what I would tell you. In a culture that always seeks to subdivide communities into subdivisions, breaking us down into ethnic, into socioeconomic, into political, into gender, into ideological lines, It is more and more clear that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can unite us. And is the only thing that will unite us. And while we're on the topic of diversity, let me kind of go there for just a second. You and I realize that unity does not require uniformity. Let me say that again. Unity does not require uniformity. You see, every single one of us, regardless of our age, regardless of our gender, regardless of our ethnicity, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of our Creator. The goal for unity is not to all look the same, to sound the same, and to act the same. It is to all be on the same mission, to know love, to lead all people to know love and live new life in Jesus Christ. That's unity. Unity is never to be mistaken as uniformity. Unity is being able to come around one another on the basis of our big calling and even on the basis of our small calling. You may say, Ben, what in the world does that look like? Where can you put feet on that? Well, when you step into a small group, when you step into a community of like-minded believers, you know that you are unified around your big calling. The big calling is Everyone in that small group, everyone in that community, their desires to grow closer to Jesus—that's big calling. We're unified. We're united. Unified. We're united around our big calling. In Oakwood, in light of that big calling, there are certain situations and circumstances and issues and decisions that may come our way that our group, our community, our people can unpack in light of our big calling. Hey, we're all unified in wanting wanting to grow closer to Jesus. We're all unified in His Word. So when we have certain specific issues or questions or uh, opportunities that are put in front of us, how do we unpack that in light of our big calling? That's the beauty of groups. That's one of the beauties of groups. Groups unite us around a common mission. But number two, groups encourage us that we're not alone in our storms. Groups encourage us that we're not alone in our storms. When the storm hit the lake that night, the disciples were all literally in the same boat. They were all literally in the same boat. They were going through the same thing. Listen, they all had different backgrounds. Now, many of them were fishermen, professional fishermen. And we know at least one was a tax collector and we know that Simon, Simon, he's known as Simon the Zealot, he was a mercenary. So you got a hodgepodge of personalities in the boat. But regardless of background, they're all going through the same storm. They're all going through the same storm. They're experiencing the same storm. Let me kind of unpack or let me kind of define storm for us. A storm is any situation, any time, any season... That you may be going through in your life. It can be personal, it can be financial, it can be vocational, it can be relational, it can be anything and all the above. It can be spiritual. That you seem just like you're caught in a whirlwind. You seem that it's, it seems like you're just completely out of control and that everything's spinning on around you and you're just caught in the middle of it. Those are storms. Storms can be times of loss. Storms can be times of grief. Storms can be times of undoubt. Storms can be anything and everything. Now, these 12 men, regardless of their background, they were all in the same boat. It's important that we notice that because when the storms of life hit you and when they hit me, and by the way, they will hit. Some of us are in here with a storm. Oakwood, if you feel like you're in the middle of a storm right now, say amen. We heard you from Oakwood. Gainesville, if you feel like you're in the middle of a storm right now, say amen. Listen, you're not alone. You're not alone. Now, the person next to you may have not said amen, because guess what? That person may have just come out of a storm. But there are a lot, a lot of other people, a lot of other voices here in Oakwood and online that said amen. You realize that when a storm hits that Satan's initial strategy is to isolate you and to make you feel like you're the only one going through and feeling what you may be going through and what you may be feeling. And the reason for that is if he can isolate you and make you feel like you're the only one going through it or the only one feeling it, then you're going to be a much more easy target for him to pick off with hopelessness and despair. And if you, ever find, if you ever find yourself slipping into hopelessness or despair, then Satan can paralyze you and neutralize you to live out your God given mission and design, the reason that our Heavenly Father created us to begin with. He can paralyze us and neutralize us with hopelessness and despair. Can I tell you this? If you're not in a group, if you're not in a community, if you don't have your people, Satan fears you getting in a group, being in a community finding your people, because he knows that when I surround myself with other people, with other like-minded men and women in a group, in a community, my people, the likelihood of them, of me opening up and sharing, hey, this is what I'm going through, I'm going through this storm, the likelihood is far greater of the men and women around me looking at me going, hey, listen, I know what you feel like, you're probably feeling like you're alone, but you're not alone. Let me tell you something, God brought me through that a couple months ago. Or, I feel like I'm on the tail end of that. You're not alone. And then when we start to realize we're not alone, we get uplifted. We, 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 there, there's a safeguard against hopelessness and despair. Do you realize that groups combat hopelessness and despair? They combat hopelessness and despair. The fact of the matter is, whether you're in Gainesville, Oakwood, or online, I can guarantee you with almost 100% certainty, without knowing everybody in the room, everybody in Oakwood, and everybody watching us online, whatever you may be going through this morning, I can almost guarantee you with 100% certainty that there's someone in this service that has gone through the exact same thing and can sing about the faithfulness of God in light of where He has brought them from. That's all about God. But we won't know that if we don't get in a group. If we're not in a group, if we're not in a, in, a, in a community, if we're not with our people, like-minded people. Can I tell you this, church? Whatever you may be going through, you're not alone. You're not alone in it. You may have come uh, to the Gainesville campus. You may have come to the Oakwood campus. Maybe wanting to give God one last shot. Because you feel lonely. You may be surrounded by a lot of people. You may have a lot of followers or friends on social media. But you've never felt lonelier. Because you feel isolated. Let me tell you something. You're not alone. There is a God that loves you and there is a people that's for you. We are riverbend. If you're taking notes, number three. Groups point us to the same Savior. Groups point us to the same Savior. So, like I said, as these men as they were in the same boat together, they're freaking out because of the storm. Now, it's important to know that the majority of these men, they were fishermen. So they're used to the water, right? So you know that it's not just a light drizzle. It's a massive massive storm. So they come to a point to where they realize that the wind and the waves and the rain are bringing more water into the boat than they can bail out of the boat on their own. So what do they do? They all turn to Jesus. I want to get you to look at something. Look at verse 38. Mark 4:38. It says the disciples woke him Jesus up shouting, "Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown?" Now, we highlighted two words here, disciples and we're. The reason we highlighted those is I want to, I want to point, the, point it out to you. Those are plural. It's not just one of the disciples went to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care that I'm going to drown? It's the disciples, plural, woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we, that we're going to drown? You see, groups have a very special way of pointing us to the same Savior. You see, it's one thing for us to say, listen, hey, I'm messed up, you're messed up, let's be messed up together. You ever been in a church, you ever been in a setting, you ever been in an environment to where you didn't want anybody to think that you're messed up because everybody seems to be like pristine? There's something refreshing about walking into an environment to where the, 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 the environment is, hey, you're messed up, I'm messed up, we can be messed up together. And you're like, whew, exhale, right? Can I tell you, that's only half the good news. You see, it's one thing for you and I to say, I'm messed up, you're messed up, let's be messed up together. The gospel says, I'm messed up, you're messed up, but we don't have to stay messed up. If we all are pointed to the same Savior, to Jesus Christ. I love the fact that the disciples all came together. You see, when we're in the midst of a storm, isn't it so easy for us for our attention to be on the wind and the waves and the rain and the water than it is on the Savior who's with us in the boat. Can I remind you of, uh, of a... I don't want to say it's a simple truth because it's really, really hard to remember and it's really hard to live out. But here it is. Did you know that it is far greater for us to be with Jesus in a storm Than it is for me to be without Jesus in seemingly calm waters. Let me say that again. It is far greater for me to be with Jesus in a storm. Than it is to be without Jesus in the midst of seemingly calm waters. Oakwood, it is far greater for you to be with Jesus in a storm. Than to be without Jesus in seemingly calm waters. You see, one of the things that I think that God wants to remind us of this morning is it's not about the storms, it's about the presence of the Savior. And it's so easy for us to forget in the midst of the storm that our Savior is with us. I love the small detail that that, that Mark wrote here, that Jesus was in the back of the boat asleep with his head on a cushion. He was there with them the whole time. Groups, community, our people, they have a way of pointing our attention away from the wind and the waves and the rain and the water and just the taking it all on and feeling like you're fighting a losing battle. You're taking more on than you can bail out. The people that God places around us have a special and unique way, a Holy Spirit-empowered way of pointing us to our Savior. To pointing us to Jesus. But number four, groups remind us of the promises of Jesus. In the middle of this storm, I'm convinced that the disciples forgot about how they even ended up in the middle of the lake to begin with. Now, how did they end up in the middle of the lake to begin with? Look at verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Let me unpack that theologically for you this morning. When Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake, they were going to go to the other side of the lake. When Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake, they were going to get to the other side of the lake. But listen to me, Gainesville, Oakwood, online. Jesus gave the destination. He didn't describe the journey. Jesus gave the destination. The promise was the destination. He didn't describe the journey. So when the waters got rough, when the storm hit, when the waves start to to crash over the sides of the boat, when it's just an onslaught of rain coming in, they start to focus more about what they couldn't control than they focused on the promises of Jesus where he said that they were going to go. Can I ask a personal question? Make sure that we're all kind of, no pun intended, in the same boat. Is it just me... Or is it really easy for y'all to forget the promises of God when the storms of life hit? Is it just me? Or is it easy to forget the promises of the destination that Jesus has told us about? When we get in the middle of the journey, when the journey gets rough. You see, one of the things I love about groups, one of the beautiful things about being in a group together is we can be vulnerable, we can share, we can let someone in on something that no one else maybe knows about. We have, we have a group of people that are confidants. They say, listen, I'm in the middle of this storm. And there are people, there, there, there are Holy Spirit-empowered voices and people that God will bring into our lives that say, Ben, I hear you, I feel for you, I'm praying for you. But let's go back to the promises of Jesus. What did Jesus promise you? What did Jesus not promise you? And in the midst of reminding me of the promises of Jesus, he brings, they bring new perspective to the storms that I may be encountering. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. To have somebody come alongside and say, Ben, I don't know how God's going to bring you through this storm, but if Jesus said you're going to go to one side of the lake, to the other side of the lake, He's going to bring you to the other side of the lake. It's so important to be reminded of the promises of Jesus. And we need people. We need groups. We need our community. We need our people around us to remind us of that. But number five, groups, propel us to live out and to share the same story of hope. Groups propel us to live out and to share the same story of hope. The book of Mark was written by a man named, any guesses? Mark, right. Introverts were like, Mark. Uh, You know, extroverts shouted out, Mark. It was written by a guy by the name of Mark. Did you know that Mark wasn't one of the twelve disciples? Do you know that it was highly, highly unlikely that Mark was even in the boat? Say, okay, well, if Mark wasn't one of the 12 disciples and Mark probably wasn't even in the boat, then how's he able to write about this? A lot of the content that Mark wrote about in his gospel came from Simon Peter and came from Matthew, but mostly Simon Peter. You may say, okay, great, thanks. What does that mean? It means that the storm that these disciples went through, that Jesus brought them through, and that they were changed forever because of, this narrative, this story, this this miracle that Jesus worked, was told all around the world by by the men that survived it, that experienced it, and that were forever changed by it. Did you know that one of the main reasons that we meet in groups, that we break down the large into the small is not so that we get better at Bible trivia. It's not necessarily that we get better at like Bible trivia. It's so that we can sharpen one another to live out what God has already taught us to live out to the people that He's already placed in front of us. Groups propel us to live out and to share the same story of hope. Do you realize? I mean, put yourself in the shoes of one of these 12 men and you're telling this story like 20 years later. Be like, wait, 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 hold on. What what did he say again? How did he do that? Be like, listen, I don't know. I just know that we thought that we were going to drown. We came to Jesus. He said, we're going to go from one side of the lake to the other. We all got terrified because of the storm. He stood up and said, peace be still, silence, silence, He rebuked the storm. How did he do that? I don't know. I just know that he did it. I just know that he did it. Did you know that groups, our community, our people, they're to be forums for God's stories. They're to be launching pads for God's stories. They are to function in a way that, listen, if God can do this in my life, he can do this in your life. If God can do this in my life, He can do this in your life. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the details. You just need to be able to point people to Jesus. You just need to have a story of, this is who I was before Jesus. I surrendered my life to Jesus. This is who He's transformed me into. This is what Jesus has done. There's no other answer but Jesus. There to be forums and launching pads for God's stories, for Jesus' stories. Groups, Propel us to live out to share the same story. Now, as we're about to bring it to a close, I want to do something really quick before I toss it over to Pastor Jim on the Oakwood campus. I want to come to a to a mutual acknowledgement that groups, community, our people are made up of individuals, right? So here's what I want to do. I want to dial it in and speak specifically to us as individuals. And Oakwood, is, as y'all are about to dial that in, Pastor Jim's going to take it from here. We so look forward to hearing about the God stories that he's continually writing in and through y'all. Praying for y'all, love y'all. Can't wait to see all that God does in and through y'all. Gainesville and and, and, and online. When we start to talk about, like, groups, community, our people, we've got to come back and look at ourselves individually. Because every single organism is made up of individual cells. You cannot have a healthy organism without healthy cells. So I want to lead us through And this is going to tee tee up a time of response for us this morning. I want to lead us through four key questions this morning that are going to focus in on us. So to the very best of our ability, I want to ask that you just kind of tune out any and every distraction. If you want to where you're at, if you want to bow your head and you want to close your eyes, not because of some type of sacred posture, but because it just helps you tune everything out. I want to walk you through these four questions. Slowly, thoroughly, and methodically. And then we're going to give you a chance to respond. First question this morning Have you come to a time and place in your life where you asked Jesus to be your Savior? You know, we're talking about how groups point us to the same Savior. You know, Jesus doesn't have a family plan when it comes to salvation. It's all about me, myself, individually coming to a point, coming to a place in time to where I say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to take over control of my life. So, have you come to that point? And if you have, I want to ask that you kind of go back to that mentally, in your mind, this morning. It may be very recent. It may be years ago, I go back to that time. You may say, "Ben, I don't know if I can." Ben, I, I come to church. I'm, I'm involved in the things of God, but when it comes to like surrendering my life to God, I don't. I don't think I really have. In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity for you to step down, and I would. I just want to pray over you. Not going to call you out. Not going to embarrass you. Just want to pray over you. Encourage you. And encourage you with this thought. You do not have to leave here the same way that you walked in here. Number two. What storm are you in the midst of right now? So many of us are going through storms. What does that storm look like? It can be a time. It can be a season. Some of us are in a season of storms. Not just weeks, but months. And maybe even going on years. What storm are you in the midst of right now? You see, it's so tempting for us to leave the storm on the other side of the doors when we come in, isn't it? Did you know that the invitation of Jesus is bring it to me? I want to show you how I am active in the midst of the storm. Don't leave it out there. I want to... Bring calm to you in the midst of the storm. And oh, by the way, I'm the only one that can calm the storm altogether. So in just a moment, what storm are you in the midst of? If you want to come down and you want to pray, listen, there's great encouragement of people praying with you, for you, and over you in the midst of the storm. That's not weird. That's biblical. That's powerful. Third question. In the midst of the storm, where's your attention placed? Where's your attention placed in the midst of the storm? Listen, I'm not belittling anybody's storm this morning because there are some high and powerful waves. There are some strong and mighty rains that are coming down and hammering us from seemingly every direction. And it's so easy to divert our attention on the storm and forget the presence of the Savior with us. So in just a moment maybe one of the greatest maybe one of the most freeing things that you can do for this week ahead is for you to just come down and go Jesus put my attention on you in the midst of this you know exactly what I'm going through bring calm that only you can bring but shift my focus and shift my attention on you and then there's a fourth question are you in a group? Who are your people? This is not a sales pitch to like increase like small group numbers. This is an invitation because we love you so much. We've already talked and we've just scraped the surface. 5 reasons that groups matter. How they can be transformational in your life, transformational in your life. Like I said, it's not a sales pitch. It's an invitation because we love you. We want you to experience community. We want you to experience everything that Jesus has for you. It breaks our heart to think that you may feel like you're alone in every in whatever you're going through this morning. You don't have to be alone this morning. I can walk you through that, that last piece in just a moment. But here's what I want to ask that you do. As, as, we, as we bow our heads and as we close our eyes, I'm going to ask that you stand this morning. And as we stand, that we pray. God, you know everything that's going on in our lives. God, you know that there may be a man or a woman, God, a student, a child that is wrestling right now at a deep soul level to take that step of obedience, to step out and say, I need to ask Jesus to be my Savior. God, I pray that you would break the the chains of hesitation. God, I pray that you would just fill them with boldness. God, that you would remind them that you are better than anything and everything that they could ever chase or that they could ever go after. God, that you love them. You're not calling, yourself, calling themselves to you to condemn them. You're calling them to you to embrace them. God, in speaking of embracing, God, you know all the different storms that are swirling on around each and every one of us this morning. God, I pray that we would come, God, that we would bring these storms to you just as a reminder that you are with us in the midst of the storm. God, that we would bring other people with us because God, we're all in the same boat. God, shift our attention and our focus on you, the one who can bring calm in the midst of the storm and the one that can calm the storm altogether. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website riverbendchurch.life.